everybody. Welcome back to the Upside of Swings Draft Podcast, the podcast with the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, joined as always by Stone Hansen. And the next in our wonderful series of guests, Corbin is here to talk about the San Antonio Spurs, uh, one of the most storied franchises in the NBA. Corbin, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Russ. I'm doing good. Good seeing you, seeing Stone, you know, being here. Um, I'm excited to get into this. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, the Spurs, uh, as I was telling Corbin before we started recording, one of my uh, adopted teams because they have uh, my boy DeJounte Murray um, from Seattle. So so always love there. Um, and they are really interesting. Uh, you know, they have one of the greatest coaches in all time, kind of perhaps reaching his, his, his twilight as a coach. Um, they have a lot of young pieces I really love, including their draft pick last year, who was uh, – the third player on my board um, who fell to 13. So, and then they also have the 12th pick this year. So they have a lot of interesting places they can go. Uh, Corbin, I'm going to throw it to you. Like what are some team needs uh, both in the short term and the long term, that uh, you think the Spurs need to be filling? So I put like general overall shooting, like, you know, established shooters on the roster would be kind of good. I think the loss last year of, well, first and foremost, Brent Forbes, but also I guess, to a extent, you know, hey, Bellinelli, other guys who came with that rep of shooters, um, that was gone. Outside of Patty Mills this year, you had a lot of guys who could kind of shoot the three ball. But usually, you know, the Spurs historically kind of ranked toward the bottom in terms of attempts. But like this year, they were kind of the bottom in attempts and accuracy. So there you go. There's a reason why they weren't making, maybe shooting as much of them. Um, aside from that, a uh, backup five was when I had, um, although that wasn't as big as a legit four for the Spurs. You know, Keldon Johnston was slotted a lot in there he played well you know definitely above his six he's what six six but i really think like six five six four frame you know like he performed admirably there you also had um demar Derozan slot up there a lot but that obviously is in a natural position moving forward and so i would really like someone to come there and just cement that role uh aside from that that's kind of what i'm looking for um those are the biggest needs for me I think you already have enough in that kind of guard range that really needs to be sorted out in terms of you know you have DeJounte Murray at one where's Derek White fit in where's Lonnie Walker extension eligible with him but he's had some uneven season so you have enough going on in the backcourt that I think you have enough players that can kind of vie for those positions I'm really looking at the front court and trying to sort that out yeah yeah I yeah. absolutely agree I think um and DeMar and Rudy are obviously going to be free agents so you don't know what happened with uh, both of those veterans who obviously provided a lot over the years for the franchise, but uh, are, are maybe no longer going to be a part of it moving forward. Um, and then you have Jakob Pertl, who it, it is interesting. I actually had this conversation with somebody earlier today where Jakob is really good as, for me, a stopgap center. I'm not sure he's the center you want to sort of put label as your um, center of the future going forward. He's really good at what he does, but I'm not sure long-term if that's really who you want to put uh, all your eggs in the basket for. Um, but like I said, I, he's he's good enough at what he does where he can, uh, for the next year or two, you know, sort of fill in that hole. Uh, but I agree with you that on the wing and especially power forward, specifically that position, um, they, they need to bolster their depth there. Definitely. Definitely. And, and you're, um, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. 
I was going to say, and I like, like you said, it's weird for me with the five. I mean, they understand Pirtle's there moving forward. You know, Juju Banks had some good games, but I don't think he's locked in at that backup center at all. Like, you know, against some legit backups, he just kind of disappeared. Um, and then Pirtle, I have my own questions about, but like, I know that within that organization, he saw it there. So I totally agree with you. Yeah, uh, for sure. So this, this uh, is generally a draft focused podcast with a team like the Spurs. They have such an interesting roster full of guys who, I really liked in their draft year, you know, Kelvin Johnson, I had in the lottery, uh, Devin Vassell, I had third overall on my board last year. Um, there's a lot of really fun bets on this squad. Um, Corbin, who are some of your favorite guys to watch and, and who do you think are the real building blocks for this team for the next, you know, the next decade of Spurs basketball, who are the guys on the roster who you think will be a part of that? Well, I definitely feel DeJounte, I mean, DeJounte Murray, we talked about him before, but he's someone I feel locked in at that point guard spot. I think that, you know, he's already shown enough defensively. He's been growing into his role as a playmaker. He's evolved a little bit as a shooter, more so this year in terms of at least volume and taking those threes uh, than in years past. So I, I like his continued development and where he stands moving forward. Keldon Johnson, man, I am a huge fan of his. And uh, like, again, we're talking about my lack of draft knowledge before, and I had no idea who this kid was going into <laughs> this year and, or going to last year, like end of last year into this year when I really started watching more like, whoa, he comes with a fire. That's just so cool to see, um, especially being undersized for me. That's something I, I just always go into the basket. Like there is no like diversity in that. He's going to go straight in a line drive one way to the basket, but he gets there has some huge dunks, um, shoots the three, you know, pretty decently. I think defensively still obviously some growth there, but he's active. Um, he's someone I see going in there. I, I want Lonnie Walker to be part of that. I don't know. He's been so inconsistent. And, and some of that, I don't put on Lonnie Walker. I think that he's been jerked around the lineup. You know, he's been the two at times. He's been kind of the bench score. He's had um, in the season where he kind of comes in, he has established role and then he's getting bit minutes. So, you know, that fluctuating time obviously is a factor, but it's not like Lonnie Walker has been established so far. So, okay, you know what? You're going to get a consistent 15 points out of this dude, whatever the case may be. So I'm hopeful for him, but he's kind of more on the cusp of that for me. Um, same with Derek White, but, I think for Derek White is just that he's one their most like one of their more intriguing trade chips, even with the injury concern or injury history that he's had. And also I feel like he's just slightly past that curve. He could more than likely stay, but already at 27, I look at him as someone who, you know, he, he can stick around. I just don't know if he'll be around, you know, let's say seven years from now, that sort of thing. Um, but these guys are just like the beginning of the core for me that I really enjoy. Again, it was so weird because as much as we saw from the Spurs, a lot of it really went as far as DeMar DeRozan did in terms of being that lead guy, in terms of being that guy that, you know, is bringing some continuity to offense, is going to get that clutch bucket, is is, is making things kind of even as well as um, as much as DeJounte Murray did. Uh, DeRozan was kind of the star that, straw that stirred the drink. And we even saw, you know, he had a horrible game in the plan against Memphis. And I mean, it's not like as he did, the whole team did, but we saw what happened there. So I really am looking forward to seeing if DeRozan doesn't return, what the Spurs team looks like, because over the last couple of years, you know, you had the transition from Duncan to Aldridge and now Aldridge to DeRozan for a little bit. Now DeRozan um, over the last year, two years, and we don't really know, okay, without those guys, what are the San Antonio Spurs? Yeah, exactly. And um, one name, uh, I apologize. I don't think you mentioned him was Devin Vassell. I did not. Yeah. yeah. Um, they, they picked him 11th, I think. And obviously they're picking 12th this year. So uh, not a whole lot changed in terms of the way they're picking in the standings from year to year. But um, he's someone who I think, I mean, if you buy someone or you pick someone at 11, I feel like you have some 
established uh, investment into them. Like you're going to want to invest into them uh, for the future. And uh, I, I know, I, I'm not sure. I actually didn't know price back then, um, but pre-draft, I was actually pretty in on Devin Vassell. Uh, so that, that's definitely someone too I would consider uh, as part of my future moving forward. Oh, for um, sure. That said, who, who uh, in this class that you've watched so far do you think sort of fills the needs that you were talking about earlier? Uh, if there anyone that you think can fill those needs, uh, if not, who is someone that you think it just would be like good value here for number 12 for this Spurs? It's been weird because I, I was trying to look at the list that I, I, you know, of needs that I had alongside who would possibly be that range at number 12. Um, and I didn't quit get like a perfect fit there. Like I looked at Franz Wagner a lot. Um, but I guess I have two questions. One, if he's even there and I looked at a couple mocks, but just where he may be, I think after five, you know, it's kind of, kind of all over there um but also kind of where he slots in because he looks like you know from what i know a good facilitator or okay shooter um I, i'm not really anyone in this class i think that that the spurs are going to be available like uh, outside shooting specialist that can do a lot and shoot there um but definitely room to grow for him but he's someone i could see that could kind of fit the system and and play that three slash four kind of role um jt thor was someone i looked at uh, i like him definitely as a defensive player from the highlights i saw um offense doesn't play got to catch up a little bit and so with that alone i don't know if that's something we want to add right now to a team that is offensively deficient at times um but that's another play i looked at uh guys who may slot in as good value but don't really fit with my mind what the spurs need like a josh giddy if he's even around that area would be good just a heady yard um decent shooting again it's just a matter of we have enough pieces in the backcourt for San Antonio to kind of sort out that I'm not sure. But as far as someone who saw that's in play there, he's another guy. Um, in terms of just shooting, I was thinking of James Booknight as well, um, someone that could fit that slot. But for me, it's weird because I was debating where the Spurs would more than likely get uh, these needs, whether it would be in the draft, in the position they're in, or, you know, the fact that they might have as much as 51 uh, million in cap space, which will only be behind New York and OKC in, for most of the league. So where they make runs at restricted free agents like John Collins or, you know, um, uh, Laurie Marketing, players like that. So I was kind of torn there. But those three guys, I'd say, between Wag, Wagner, um, Thor, and Giddy are guys I kind of look at that at least knock out one area of need. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I'll go, go ahead. ahead. Uh, I, I think... I actually also had this conversation earlier about the Spurs with somebody else who if I think they really could use somebody who like Giddy would control the pace and be just the natural facilitator that they think they need at times uh, because with DeRozan possibly leaving, you're going to lose a big chunk of that. Um, and, and I think Giddy or Sharif Cooper, one of those two guys could really fill that hole in terms of, um, I mean, DeJounte Murray does it, I think, sort of by uh, just the de facto point guard. Uh, but ultimately, I'm not sure he's the high enough floor um, general necessarily or, or facilitator that you may want, um, where I think Giddy and Sharif Cooper can, can fill that role a little bit better. Um, but, yeah, it, it, I think the only guy really here for me that fits as a number four or, or like a strictly a power forward would be Jalen Johnson, but I'm not really sure his skill set coincides. It seems sort of redundant almost with what the Spurs have already sort of built, uh, his skill set. But somebody, obviously, me and Bryce have been harping on pretty much since we started this podcast, has been Kai Jones. 
I think he really fits well here. Um, the, the Spurs are a little bit further along in terms of the rebuild than say like a Rockets or, or a Thunder, but and Kai Jones is probably better off suited with a timeline that is is like that. But Kai Jones is his ability as a shooter, possibly. And um, I mean, we've gone on and on about what Kai Jones provides, uh, but his unique skill set, I think, can really benefit what the Spurs have and complement that. It's just going to take a little bit of time to develop. And I'm not really sure if the Spurs are the team to want to take that on. Uh, and the other guy I would say that you mentioned already would be JT Thor, which is very much in the same mold of someone who's going to need, you know, two or three years to progress and get there, to that point. But I think what he does provide in, in his skill sets uh, can really complement well and enhance the rest of the Spurs roster. Cool, cool. And, and see, that's why I've been so intrigued by how this offseason for San Antonio is going to work itself out, because a lot of that does depend on the direction that they go. Um, and that includes down from, you know, with pop coaching to uh, no signs of him leaving, but just with him being there, obviously, you know, the direction is going to be more of a competitive kind of win now feel, at least that's what we've had kind of all evidence to so far. So where does that fall for DeRozan? Where does that fall for the vets that are coming off the books in Patty Mills, in Rudy Gay, for San Antonio? How does it all fit together? Um, and it's weird because you're right. Like we're talking about the draft and positions in need, but are they going to prioritize someone who can kind of slot in and contribute immediately? Um, while not maybe fitting, you know, fitting a, a position of need long-term or, you know, what is, what is the kind of goal for them? And I guess that for me is where I felt intrigued, intri- I wouldn't say intrigued, but also limited in terms of coming up with a nice list because I'm like, okay, where can they go here? As long as my own growing um, understanding of the draft this yeah. season. Yeah. So uh, a name I want to, I want to get really hit on there is, is JT Thor. Um, because he might be my like ideal pick for, you know, uh, assuming Kai Jones isn't there because Kai Jones is way high on my board. Um, because that potential defense with Devin Vassell and JT Thor as your forwards is, is really absurd. Um, two of the best off ball ground coverage players I've ever scouted. Um, JT Thor is maybe the quickest lateral athlete in this draft. Um, he's like Pascal Siakam's level uh, laterally, which is really impressive. They oh, both wow. cover ground super well. They can both make those is... absurd rotations at the rim. They both space the floor. Um, so JT Thor would be a really interesting fit. Uh, and he's also like with DeJounte there, uh, if they keep Jakob Pertle, I mean, that's that's the recipe for a top five defense. Maybe earlier than we think. Maybe, you know, JT Thor is a long way from, from his ceiling. But with that athleticism, I could see him contributing defensively in in the way J.D. McDaniels did last year um, early in his career. So I think that's a pick that makes a lot of sense here. It's just it's like you said, it does pop. Does he want to take someone that young? Is he going to go for someone more like a Corey Kispert who's just already established? You know, he's going to shoot. You know, he's going to step uh, step in and play OK help defense. Um, it's just sort of a, an interesting question that the Spurs are facing this year. Um, and with that, Corbin, I want to ask you, what direction do you want them to go in? Do you want them to sort of take a step back, maybe let DeRozan walk and, and try and build a true young core here? Or do you want them to to keep the way they've been going and, and try and push for a lower playoff seed with, uh, you know, some older stars and, and the young guys growing along with them? I thought about this for a little bit here, and it's weird because for me – like seeing, you know, 
like seeing the, the vets kind of get their their play you know like having DeRozan being on a team where he has the offense like this is probably the best position for him you know other free agent targets I mean other free agent um, destinations can go to he's going to take more of an ancillary role as good as he is but this kind of this team kind of scared to his strengths and weaknesses in a way that I like seeing from DeRozan seeing his playmaking flourish you know seeing Rudy Gay um, get his moments and Patty Mills as well with that being said as much as you like the vets, as much as I do, I think that it's time to look and, and establish the youth on this team. You know, see, put guys in roles. Like we talk, mentioned Devin Bissell. I look at Devin Bissell, I, not that I don't um, favor him highly, but I look at him as like a three and D guy, but there's more there. I know there was more there, like looking at scouting videos or at least potential of him having some more off the bounce. He flashed some stuff early in games for San Antonio. And it was like, maybe you can go to him more and see if there's, um, further to form develop in a, in a different type of role you know maybe we could see DeJounte Murray with you know a 28 percent usage or something higher up in that way um Lonnie Walker figuring out where he fits in this long term Keldon Johnson the same so part of me is looking and knowing that okay yes it's gonna be rough and yeah that probably signals the end of the pop era and you know the competitive ball will still be there but not you know fighting for a lower seed more like Sacramento Kings territory in terms of competing for a play-in spot but just looking at the youth and going completely in that direction is something I think is beneficial for them because you need to sort out what you have unless we're going to do another two, three years of this where you have guys who are, you know, have flashes, but again, are going only as far as veteran player X. You know, if it's not DeRozan, who will it be in a trade or or free agency, whatever the case may be, um, moving forward for San Antonio. And I think they have enough young pieces that if you give them time to grow and kind of get their lumps in early, you know, a year or two years down the line, now you might have a team that is like sustainably in that, playoff hunt whether that is you know in the seven eight or even higher up as you know dynasty in the nba fall set aside whatever the case may be yeah and that's an interesting point i think uh as far as team building philosophy just you have to at least in my opinion you either have to like really go for it and be one of those teams that is contending um you know like a bucks or, or someone of that caliber or you have to say, okay, we've done this for two, three years now. It's not working. Our, our, our best player is DeMar DeRozan, and no disrespect to DeMar DeRozan and, and all the credit to him. But how far can you get with DeMar DeRozan as your best player? Exactly. I think you have to, you have to know when to cut ties and be like, okay, that we're going to set our direction with this youth, like you're saying, uh, and build forward with that because – DeMar DeRozan, as great as he is, he just doesn't fit the rest of this timeline, and he's not going to be someone who ever gets us to where we want to be, ultimately. 100% agree. 100% agree there. Exactly. Yeah, so that, so that kind of brings an interesting question. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned that you do want them to go uh, to go that way, um, but if, if they decided not to and they were to try and um, – they were to try and, and keep this this comp- competitive nature around, you know. Are there any trade out scenarios that make any sense? Any sort of uh, deals for either another uh, another established player, or you know, maybe even moving up in the draft or down in the draft? Are, are there any trade scenarios with this pick that make some sense to you? I was thinking about that. I'm as far as like established players, it's weird for me, like who they would get. Like I would go for teams that have a plethora of picks. Maybe, you know, you can make a deal with OKC for for something. I mean, they have a bunch that are kind of, you know, what, six and then 16, 18 and something like that. So maybe you can go back to like 18 and give them the 12 and maybe get, 
you know, either a future pick or something there. Um, in terms of players, it's so weird because I don't, unless the, the Spurs are really targeting that player, I don't think that they would be so eager to like eat into some cap space that they want to have for the free, for free agency, particularly if they are indeed going for restricted free agents. So that's where I'm concerned in terms of like, oh, let's say, I'm trying to think of a player off the top of my head who would kind of feel the need. Let's say like, this isn't a player, but Dennis Smith Jr., just give me an example or something. And they make a deal for like, you know, bringing him in in a pick or something. Like, I don't know if they're targeting a player already that's out there as much as if they are going to trade down from that pick, let's bring in, you know, let's either get uh, a player that fits a position of need that we're looking at, you know, targeting heavy if it is like just a shooter. I'm not really sure too much on the back half of the draft, let's say between 18 and 20, whatever that range is. But let's say looking at that for like either the Knicks or the Thunder, and they can get a player like that and get some draft compensation either in the future or whatever the case may be. I can see the Spurs doing that if they aren't happy with what's available in that position. Uh, I just don't know if it's going to be for a player immediately when they do have a lot of cash space that they can keep either for retaining their own free agent or, or free agents, plural, I'm sorry, or go after other guys that are available. Is it's a different, it's an interesting um, question. It's an interesting conundrum. And again, a lot of it goes down to what San Antonio was kind of looking for there. Um, but I would be surprised if they did a deal to bring, to trade down and bring in players. You know what I mean? I think it would be a guy, like, even if it's like a, a guy they could draft and stash, whatever the case may be. I can see Antonio doing something, playing the longer game on that than doing something more immediate, at least through the trades. Yeah, exactly. I, I think uh, if they are going to go in the direction of this youth then capitalizing on more draft capital and and trying to extend upon what they already have makes a lot of sense for them um in in that sense uh another question i wanted to bring to you was what would be like for you the worst case scenario for the spurs in a situation picking at number 12 would it be uh, whether it's a certain player that they pick that doesn't fit what they would want or or if it's one of those trades like we mentioned that just didn't really um, make a whole lot of sense for them. What, what would be your worst case draft night scenario? I would say it would be to trade down for a player that you might expect, let's say Kai Jones, and you expect him to be available at like, I don't know, 15, 16, and you trade down that position, but he's not available. And then you end up getting a player that, you know, while intriguing, I, I don't doubt the Spurs when they draft guys, but like, isn't who they planned. you can kind of tell by like, just, basic draft logic oh i'm not sure why santo would target that pick like it would be a swing and a miss exactly, um, like yeah. maybe in that way i don't know if there's a player there's a few guys here again from from what i know that are intriguing and from doing some research there's like a very list even among spurs fans about you know who could be the you get jt thor of course you get wagner i um, mean get kai jones but there's like a few other guys that people are kind of high on or intrigued by so i'm not sure i would immediately judge um the spurs picking let's say like i did with the suns picking jalen um jalen smith in the yeah. last year like, that was when I was being like, whoa, that's kind of weird out there, that sort of thing. I doubt the Spurs do anything like that this year. I think it would be maybe a case of them outsmarting themselves or, you know, just getting some bad luck and making a trade down for a player they want. Turns out they're not there, and now you're left picking the pieces, even though you may have, like, you know, a first-round pick coming down the pipeline. It's not the player you wanted for this year. Yeah, that's that's interesting. We've had uh, – I don't know yeah, – is it- Bryce probably knows the number better than I do, but you're close to like the 12th guest we've had on by now. Um, and I don't think we've wow. had anybody give that answer. And yeah. it's an interesting answer um, because I, I, 
I don't think it's something we really think about, but it's something mm -hmm. if if you do trade down in, in that guy isn't there, then that <laughs> sucks. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So <laughs> it's uh that is interesting. I think I think the Spurs at, at least are a really smart front office. So I feel like they would have to have some level of certainty to be sure. able to make a move like that. Um but in general, that is definitely a situation I don't think comes to a lot of our minds that uh, is something that could happen. Definitely, definitely. And it's a thought. That's, that's the one thing I would think of. Because I was wondering, like, how could this kind of work out in a bad way? But I've trusted this first draft process. I mean, we've seen even players that I either A, didn't know about or weren't too high on before kind of flourish into players that now are, you know, intriguing prospects, part of this team long-term. So that would be the one concern I have, but I feel pretty confident wherever the Spurs go here. Um, Cause I know that at least a, a, a attempt to address one position. Yeah, definitely. Um, what interesting note to make too. Is the other the thing Spurs here like, too is the, hmm? the Spurs like never make trades. They just, uh, they never do. <laughs> Screw that. Yeah. They, they are, <laughs> especially in season trades, right? Like I think that's always the joke is the, the Spurs, when there's draft rumors, they'll never, those rumors are never viable because they'll never make a move in, in the middle of the season. Um, but uh, the, the Spurs, they are picking 12, but they also have their own pick in the second round, uh, a pick 41. And this is one of the deeper drafts I can remember, at least, uh, at least since I've started covering the draft. Um, it, so there could be still some, some value to be had at number 41. Uh, and actually, I'll throw it to Bryce here. Is there anybody that you think um, makes a lot of sense for the Spurs at 41 that could either help them out or is worth developing uh, later down the line? So oh, sorry. Oh, you're talking oh, to Bryce. Yeah. <laughs> no worries. No, no. I'm sorry. No, I was. I'm good. I'm sorry. <laughs> you're good. You're good. I love the energy. I love the energy, Corbin. You're. This is awesome. Um, so taking taking the, the 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 needs that kind of need to be filled into into account that Corbin brought up, uh, I have a couple names that really interest me. Uh, one of them, Stone, it's going to make you smile. Would be EJ Onu. Um, just EJ is is such a fascinating player. Uh, he's 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 a center, super long wingspan, can maybe shoot, a really solid athlete. Just I think would be a really really fun bet for the Spurs to take and the Spurs are just a franchise you expect to get the most out of a player like that um some other interesting guys uh maybe like a Joe Wieskamp if he's there uh, makes a lot of sense just just a just a good shooter can really provide that like uh, that floor as a you know 12 minute a game guy probably pretty early just with his shooting um he has that one skill it's going to get him on the floor um you know, and then there's there's some other guys like a Joel AI could make some sense there. Um, and Eve Pons, if they wanted to take him that high. Uh, and then and then the last one I'll go with uh, a name who I really like and I think the Spurs would be smart to take, even though he doesn't necessarily fill a need. And that's a uh, Rokas Yokobitis, um, just a really solid uh, European guard. They could stash him if they need to, um, and he can really he could shoot. He can he can run an offense. Um, just as Patty Mills sort of ages, and you don't know what you're going to do with Derek White in the long term. Um, I think Yoka Bitus is sort of a a fun bet there. But Stone, are there any other names you'd like to add? 
Uh, I think all of those names. Are, I'm a huge Yokovitas fan, so that that name um, and obviously EJ Oni, those two names stick out most to me. Um, and, and they're both really fun players too, which is something the Spurs generally aren't known for, <laughs> right? Like they're, they're it's just kind of like get the get the uh, the guy who helps us win the most, and not necessarily yeah. the flashiest guy. Um, so so bringing in somebody that can. Uh, I mean, it's a lazy argument, but like somebody that can bring in highlights here and there. Uh, it's just another fun little wrinkle to the, uh, those picks. Um, but the other name I would bring that fits, I guess, sort of the more uh, quote unquote boring player would be Jeremiah Robinson Earl, somebody I've um, been really high on in the past, uh, who fits at the four position. And it just seems like the most Spursy pick there is really. Like he's a super high IQ guy who, um, doesn't make a ton of mistakes he know he plays within his capabilities knows he's a role player he knows he's not going to be the star of any offense um possibly the most the, the best switchable defender in this class uh really smart defender um and i've gone on and on about him in, in a previous episode but i think he really just seems like the ultimate like pinnacle of what the spurs look for in a player so that, that would be the only name i'd throw out there uh with that 41st pick Stone will take any excuse imaginable to bring up Jeremiah Robinson. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. I feel like I've heard him mention him once too. <laughs> at any oh, moment, yeah. at any moment, I expect to hear, I expect to hear that name. I uh, did not see it coming here, but oh, it, it's a pick that makes sense here. It, it is. I will Stone. I will give you that. Um, he see, I mean, it is, it does not take much for me to envision him in uh, that Spurs black and gray. Um, but yeah, and then, you know, one more name that just popped in my head would be an Austin Reeves, kind of that same, similar to Yoko Bidas, but, but won't be stashed just if, if, you know, if Patty Mills, is he good? Is Patty Mills going to be a free agent or does he have one more year on his contract? Free agent. Yeah. yeah. yeah so free agent. Mm-hmm. if you're, if you're not going to bring him back, you know, Reeves can potentially, and he could even potentially be more of a Wies camp. He's such a weird player. Austin Reeves is so weird. I can't decide what his role is going to be at the NBA, but really crafty, runs a pick and roll, a good, good catch and shoot shooter. So that's a guy that makes some sense there. Um, it's, it's hard. You know, the Spurs, you just trust to make anyone into a player. Like I thought Lucas Samanich was like not good at basketball yeah. after his first year in the G League. And then he was like, okay, this year. <laughs> or like Drew Eubanks has like, yeah, has. Drew Eubanks has no place on an NBA floor, but he's a spur. The Spurs just figured out he's got that nice hook shot and like some sneaky athleticism. Went to Oregon State, which is, you know, he's it's in the Pac-12. So I, I I'll, you know, I, I, I watched Eubanks in college. So I'm like, this guy's not an NBA player. There's no way. And it, the Spurs just Lo make and it behold. Work. So yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they got Yakupertle as a starting center, like in our year 2021. Yeah, like he's I a solid think... player. Don't get me wrong, but I'm just saying, like, no, he's the five. Notice, like, I didn't mention him at all. Like, no matter yeah. how I feel about him, he's the starting five for the Spurs. Yeah, when I, I think when they first traded for him, I don't think anybody ever saw Jakob Pertl being a starting center in the league. No, um, but but because he's a spur, he is. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So that said, I, I think that this is really going to be a defining offseason for this franchise. They have. Um, I mean, three vets between Rudy Gay, uh, DeMar DeRozan, and, and Patty Mills, who have played huge roles for them for, for years prior. Yeah. Um, and if they decide to move on for them, I think that is really going to help shape the, the future of this franchise. 
Uh, and if they bring them back, then it's going to be a lot more of the same that, we, that we've already seen, I think. So it's going to be definitely uh, a, a very defining moment for them uh, in terms of what they do with these veterans. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens with that. Me too. We're definitely at a crossroads here at San Antonio moving forward, which is the first we could say in a while. They've done a really good job of, you know, in this dynasty and even post-dynasty years, keeping a, a smooth transition, you know, from David Robinson to Tim Dunk, to Tim Duncan, excuse me, to LaMarcus Aldridge and sort of kind of DeMar DeRozan. And now where we're going. And this is where it's okay. We've taken that train to its finish. And now we have to see we're going to try to turn this thing back on or go to the next track. Exactly. That's my that's my analogy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's, but it's fun, you know. We've said that with a few teams uh, that we've done this series so far. It's just sort of their franchise at a crossroads, and I think mm-hmm. this this off season is a really interesting one in totality, in a very different way than like the uh, the twenty nineteen off season was, where you know like Kawhi Leonard and Paul George switched team, and like that was a fun one because just a lot of craziness happened. But this is a more like fun one for us super basketball nerds who are just we're gonna see the direction a lot of these franchises choose um and i'm you know i believe in the spurs the spurs have just always figured it out uh whether it be pop or you know the front office whoever it is the spurs are just a really well-run organization they have a lot of players i really love to watch they were super fun to watch this year they barely took any threes they they had a ton of dunks just like uh, Mm -hmm. they played they played smart defense. I mean, they're just a they're just a fun team always. And uh, Corbin, this has been a super fun pod. Um, so why don't you just tell Appreciate the people? You. Just t- you bring so much energy. This has been absolutely awesome. Um, tell the people, you know, where they can find you. Uh, you know, everything you got going on. Just just let the people know. Plug yourself until you know you're tired. All right. I, well, thank you. Yeah, I want to say thank you again for having me on it's a lot of fun y'all um find me on twitter at corbin nba uh i host um a daily nba podcast called rumble ramble um with hoop ball so that's a fantasy general nba site you can find them hoop-ball.com i'm on twitter at hoop ball tweets i'm also spanning the spurs i do that with um the hoop heads podcast network and so that you know just focus on San Antonio Spurs, but they have a lot of team specific podcasts and other things that are more general so that's that's something to check out um have been working on an article. The writing has been so hard to come by this past year for me, like just finishing something. But um, any writing I do is with uh, Premium Hoops. So, you know, Mark Schindler and his horrible food takes, but still great guy. Um, you know, <laughs> um, Cody, all of them, you can find them at Premium Hoops on Twitter as well. Um, aside from that, that's that's kind of where I'm at. I, I'm usually retweeting and reading a lot more than I'm like contributing. <laughs> so I also have these podcasts. This is my way to kind of get out. But I definitely appreciate being on, y'all. This is yeah, for fun. sure. We've had a blast having you on. Uh, we have sort of an open door policy. So if you ever want to come back, just let us know and we'd be, be glad Thank to have you. Thank you, all yeah, absolutely. Um, give Corbin's pod a listen. Uh, we're I'm good friends with the Motor City Hoops pod, which is also on the Hoops, uh, Hoops Head Pod Network. And Mark Schindler, we just had on one of my guys on Twitter. So uh, th- this has been awesome. Support Corbin, support all the stuff he does. I'm the best. Um, <laughs> absolutely. Stone, uh, do you want to let people know where they can find you and uh, what they got to do? Yeah, uh, just you can follow me at report underscore court on Twitter. Uh, any body of work I do, draft related or not, will be on there. Um, make sure you guys uh, give us a five star review and rate us. It would help us a lot. Uh, super easy for you. It takes like 30 seconds um, and just helps us get us out there and 
make this more justifiable to spend all the time that we do on here and makes it more rewarding. So if you could do that, it would be greatly appreciated. Absolutely. Um, I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14 on Twitter. Uh, thanks again to Corbin. He was awesome. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening. This has been the Upside Swings Draft Podcast. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you. Thank you.